0: Well, here we are. It's another day. And I've probably got about half an hour of spare time while I go to the bank and get a check. So I thought I'd jump on and say hi. So. I'm on Reddit It's pretty much the only social media platform I use Maybe a little bit of Quora Not as much anymore And I'm in, I'm in like the psychic and the consciousness And the, you know, those kind of uh, Reddits And I post sometimes and I comment sometimes I probably do something once a day somewhere on average anyway and so every once in a while I get a DM from somebody who you know asks me a question wants to you know just I don't know they read something I wrote or something and this one person asked me a question a while ago and they seemed a little worried about some metaphysical concepts and it's totally legit I mean existential crisis is something I think everybody kind of goes through even if they don't acknowledge it but this person I can tell seems like they're in existential crisis mode I mean they're really and so they have this question that they asked me, and so I thought I would maybe answer it here because um, it's easier than you know typing it out. I mean, this is a kind of seems like a more in-depth topic, so I felt like well, I'll just I'll just talk about it and then send them a link to this, and there you go. Nice. Yeah, question answered. So their question was. Their question was, uh, the recent question was, What if, when I die, I close my eyes, I die, and then I open my eyes, and I'm being born again into this world as me? And my life is repeating. And every time it repeats, and it just does the same thing over and over again for all eternity. Now, this is somebody who was concerned, probably still is concerned, but was concerned at one point that about solipsism. The idea that, you know, we're the only, or, or they're the only one that exists, that has any kind of. Experience. They they are the universe. They are the whole whole being of existence. Okay, all right. And so, if you if you uh, encounter solipsism and you start to have a little worry about that, um, I think one of the natural questions that will come up is. Okay, well, if I am the only thing that exists, all right, fine. But what if I'm repeating this life over and over again? I kind of became a solipsist, you know, in a way for a little bit. Kind of was like, yeah, I can kind of see that happening. Uh, see me as, you know, all of being. I could just be hallucinating this, everything that I see, and nothing's actually real. It's, it's not necessarily saying that, yeah, all the other bodies around me are real, but nobody's alive inside them. I don't, you know, that might be an extremely naive view of solipsism, but I don't, no. No, it's more like, uh, no, the entire physical plane looks like it's real, but it's just an illusion, like a movie. Looks like the things are real in the movie, but they're just a set. They're just an illusion. So what's real is the illusion. And that's me. And that's what solipsism is. Okay. All right. So then we say, well, what if we repeat? Or what if I repeat? And I encountered this back when I was reading Thus Spake uh Zarathustra with Nietzsche. I was taking a fair amount of shrooms at the time, and that was my summer of shrooms. <laughs> it was uh, a good summer and a little bit insane. It was um, interesting to experience just a hint of psychosis. You know? You know, just just having that for a little bit was... Uh, I get it. People that are, you know, got some kind of mental imbalance where they're always swinging back into things. I, I'm, I get it. You know, I, I, I can see how that would be a very difficult thing. Now, I don't, I, if you haven't had a real heavy drug experience and, and you haven't had any kind of like natural, um, mental aberrations you might be like oh come on get over it <laughs> I'm not like that I may have been like that no, nope I get it it's not something that's easily controlled so anyway summer of shrooms how fun so um so I, encounter, encountered, I encountered this question, and I was worried about it. And then I noticed... Hold on a second, just a minute. I need a drink here. Sorry, <clears throat> I'm back. So I noticed Nietzsche talked about this in his book Thus Spake There Zarathustra and I don't know if people caught on to this is what he was talking about but I think it was when it, you know it's kind of near the end um, it's like 75% through he starts talking to some crazy dog or something I don't know you know the book is about a prophet a fictional Zarathustra prophet who was actually a real prophet but it's not like he made it historically accurate or anything he just stole the name so it's about this fictional prophet that's going around talking about life and existence and uh, at one point near it gets it starts out pretty good I thought you know I was like okay after the Uberman, it was like, oh, it took a weird turn. And then after that, I just was like, okay, we'll, we'll see what I can get out of this. I don't know if I can get anything. Well, anyway, near the end, he's talking about... um What's he talking about again? He's talking to this crazy dog that's like showing him the afterlife or something like that. And he's like, wait a second. So haven't we been here before? Aren't I, you know, if everything goes on forever, haven't I come this way before? You know, anyway, you'll recognize it if you read the book. Anyway. So he talks about it, and he's kind of freaking out about it. And in the end, this is the sad part, I think, is Nietzsche kind of, at the very end of the book, he kind of gives up. I mean, this is my interpretation. I'm sorry, and this has been like five years ago. So, the heck, something wrong with that door? All right, my interpretation is he's—he just kind of gave up. He just kind of said, "You know what? I can't get away from all eternity. It probably loops, as far as I could tell from his opinions. So, I'm just gonna fall in love with it, and it's kind of weird." and he kind of has this ode to eternity at the end. I was like, dude, come on. All right, well, anyway, that was my interpretation. All right, fine. So I haven't even talked about the actual issue, have I? Sorry. Well, anyway, I did encounter this, and I got to the conclusion where I was like, okay, 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 okay. Let's stop freaking out and hold on. We've got two situations here. Either I loop or I don't loop. Whether or not I'm solipsistic or whatever, doesn't matter. Either I loop or I do not loop. All right. What do I do? Okay, well, if I don't loop, then I'm probably either, you know, either I don't exist at all after I die, or if I do exist in some capacity, something else, you know, like I, you know, usually when things stop existing, it means they broke apart, they blew up, all their atoms got spread out, and then those things, you know, they get reassembled into other structures, and this is the idea of the circle of life, you die, your body gets decomposed, and, you know, the mycelia take it away, and the worms take it away, and everything just it, it just disseminates into nature, but it doesn't go away, it doesn't stop existing, it's still the matter and energy never gets destroyed, it just gets reassembled into other living animals, and this is our great circle of life that we love to talk about It's great. Right. I I point that out because it's the pattern. Like you, we can't say metaphysics is one thing but nature is another thing. I mean we can. They they have different definitions, but but uh, it seems like nature seems to be the pattern for lots of things. Like nature's the example that we have of being of existence. So we always look back to nature and we say, well, how does nature do it? Well, nature doesn't destroy energy. Okay, okay, well, that should give us some indication. If our life force, you could call that your conscious experience, you could call that your spirit, you could call that anything, you could say, if your life force is a real thing, then it can be analogous to energy which doesn't get destroyed. It just gets reassembled. All right. All right, fine. Now, maybe that's not a good analogy. Maybe it's not fair. And in that case, then, maybe it's something else. Maybe it doesn't really we can't really follow that heuristic of nature and expect that to be true over here as well. Maybe. Maybe. But what matters is that we at least have a model that kind of says, that's kind of unlikely. It's kind of unlikely that you loop in the exact same structure again and again and again. It's unlikely, given what we know about nature, we never see anything like that happen in nature. We do see things looping in similar structures the eye has been evolved like fourteen hundred times. Okay, it's not that many, though. but it's been evolved separately. And uh, but it, it, the eye is very useful to be able to see light. You know, so so even though it had different evolutionary paths to create the same type of structure that essentially does the same thing, um, it always seems to be like it always seems to have its own little wrinkle that says, well, an octopus eye is a lot different than a human eye, you know? So, so we really don't see the exact same pattern playing out in nature anywhere. No two snowflakes are alike, right? No two mountain ranges are alike. No two mountains are alike. Nothing's exactly the same. The idea behind existence, as far as it's expressed in nature, is that that's not something that ever happens. <laughs> Nature really doesn't like to make the same thing over and over again. It abhors factories. It wants variety. And I thought that was the most fascinating thing. When I went into uh, the Mormon uh, endowment ceremony for their, their temples, and one of the very first things you learn through the endowment ceremony Is that the whole reason God created the earth You know, they have the Adam and Eve myth The whole reason God created the earth Is to add variety to existence Variety, the spice of life Let's have some more variety Let's see something new You know, this just rang true to me Because I'm always, you know, I get bored really quickly So, I always want to see a new thing I never want to watch the same movie twice, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I'm, I'm addicted to novelty, so maybe that's the only real reason it rang true for me. But I see this in nature. I don't see a lot of repeats. You get repeats in aggregate. You know, you can say, well, these, these things are all the same species, but they're playing out a process where every single generation is a little bit different than the last. They're evolving in some way they're adjusting to the rest of the environment which is always in flux it's always wiggling everything's wiggling alright so we have some precedence in what we think of as existence and we have some precedence that says patterns rhyme okay that's the other thing you know Mass extinction events are rare. Usually, nature creates something new, but not absolutely new. It likes to tinker on the edges. So, the precedence is an endless repeat of metaphysical awareness. Probably not. Probably not. Not if nature is any guide, probably not. Maybe, but probably not. I think we as human beings live in such a boxed world. You know, we build these houses and we build these factories and we have particular protocols for talking over the web and we, you know, we have such a boxed up world that we kind of don't really notice these very obvious patterns. We don't give them the weight that they should have when we're thinking about these kind of concepts. Okay anyway all right so that's that's one thing I wanted to make clear about this question um, do we endlessly repeat? okay, so that's 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 the first thing. probably not and here's probably the best. Um, heuristical reason why not nature okay what's next okay but but I said well what if I do if I don't well then you know I don't know I don't know what that means but if I do repeat and I don't know it I can't know it I thought, well, what if, you know, what if, you know, I don't know everything. What if God comes down? God. And somehow he, know, he makes me know that he is God. And, and I'm convinced, you know. And he comes down and he says, listen, little buddy, uh, I got some news for you. You're going to repeat when you die. You're going to just live the same life over and over again, including me coming down to say hello. And I thought, okay, well, all right. So let's let's make it a sure thing. Okay, God tells me. All right. So then, what does that mean for me? Hold on, I'm trying to navigate while I'm driving here. Just a minute. Okay, just a moment. Hey, I'm sorry, but i got to figure this out. Can't just be driving... What? Where am I? Yes. Choose location. Where I am. I'm sorry. My location's turned (laughs) off. I'm, like, so confused about what's going on. All right, my location. Yes, thank you. I can click it. Oh, I'm four minutes away. Well, we'll continue this afterwards, but... All right. So it must be on, what, the left side of the road? Okay, sorry. So God makes it a sure thing, tells me, this is the way it is, buddy. Okay, fine, all right. First of all, I'd be like, well, dude, my, how do you exist if I'm the only one? Because if I'm if if time loops with me, you know, there's no other time. So what's up with that? And he'll be like, I don't know, dude, but this is the way it is. Okay, so then I'm like, okay, fine. That's the way it is. What does it mean for my behavior? What should I do? Well one thing I should not do, I mean let's say I've had like the best life ever. And I'm like, I can't get any better than this. I just kill myself. Just like, okay, let's repeat that. Let's repeat that forever. That's great. Okay, I guess you could do that. Chances are, I haven't had the best life ever. I've had a great one. It's been pretty good. Can't complain. But I've had challenges. I've had my own issues. I've my shit. Okay, so, what am I going to do? I'm not seeing this bank anymore. I said I was like a couple minutes away. What is this thing? I'll just keep my eyes open. All right. So, um, so chances are, you know, I've had a little bit of suffering. Right? Do I want to just repeat that? Well, it's already there. So apparently I'm going to repeat that. Okay, fine. What I might want to do is say, okay, I'm going to try to live Best life I can live. Now, at first, that might just sound like I'm just going to try and have as much fun as I can. That's what children do. They just like get up every morning and they're like, let's go have some fun. Let's go play. Let's play every day. Play, 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 play. Play is the best word in the world. Play. It's amazing to me. I'm like, amazed. So, uh, great. So... Is that it? Is that my bank? No. It's a community center. It's around here somewhere. Uh, Anyway. So, I... I might just have a naive approach and say, well, let's just have the hedonistic, I want to play, I want to have fun, And that's all I care about. And that'll be the rest of my life. And I can repeat that forever. Sure. That's great. Okay. I think that's better. That's better than saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What Being a hedonist is better than saying, I don't think I can be happy. Okay? You know what I mean? Does this make sense? It's better to say, I'm going to be happy. Okay? Period. Okay, now I got to go into this bank and do some something. So I will be right back. I'm just going to put you on pause. And we're back. What was I talking about? Okay. We're ready to go. Uh, There we go. Okay, so... What was my point? Being a hedonist... Is better than just surrendering to. Uh, at least a hedonist knows what he wants. You know, I think, I think, I think there's a pathology that's affecting a lot of people, especially with social media. But I think it's always affected people because we're a social species, and I think it's a social pathology. It's like. You can't be happy unless... Unless X, you know? And, and I think that's just natural. I think it's just natural as a, as a being that can speak and it has that level of complexity in their experience. I think it's natural to kind of fall into those kind of issues. But, but I also think it's enforced. It's, uh, it's reinforced... By the fact that we're very social. That we don't let ourselves... uh... Let me put it this way, let me put it this way. I've been in religion, I know how it works, from the inside, because I really believed it, that's what I mean like I've been in it I've been a fanatic and if you're religious in most religions today you are indoctrinated into guilt even for little things that nobody should feel guilty for and I think a lot of people that come out of religion and say um I'm not going to do that anymore. That's, that's not right. They have a lot of anger. And I think a lot of it comes from they were lied to and they were trained to feel guilty. They were, their emotions were trained. We seem to do that, train our emotions through our social structures. So we, 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 we are in control of us. And yet, we give that control up to others. And I think we, I, I, I think a lot of people do it and they don't even notice they're doing it when they engage in social media. I noticed I've done that with social media. All right. So, anyway, that, that's, I guess, I don't know, that's a tangent. But I'm saying, even the base level of asserting your right to happiness, which is the base level is defining happiness as merely pleasure. Even the base level is better than just no level at all. Just kind of Whatever the society... Because this is what will happen, is what I'm saying. Whatever the society thinks you should feel, you will feel. And the society doesn't want you to feel good. It wants you to be a good worker. Uh, it, and everybody else wants to feel better than you. So we tear other people down. Because we've got egos and shit. Okay. So that's my point. Now you might say, well, okay, I... As. Mm, Sorry. I kind of started there and I was like, okay, well, then that means if I'm just going to repeat, I want to have a life worth repeating. And at base, that's not a life of absolute suffering. Whether that suffering is kind of dull, I'm just depressed all the time, or whether that suffering is like. Uh, I don't know, I have some kind of physical disease which is hurting me all the time. I have have pain, physical pain, I don't care. At base, it's, it's not that. That's not a life worth living. And I was kind of getting into Jordan Peterson at the time and had this kind of question in my mind of, okay, well, what's better than that? What's better than a hedonistic life? You know, what's better than just running away from suffering at every chance I get? People give birth, okay, there's suffering there, but they do it so they can have a child and so they can experience the world through the child's eyes and help this other living being grow. And they want to be a parent. You know, they have so much more meaning. Than uh, that will come from this, than just the moment of suffering, or even several moments of suffering, of childbirth and pregnancy, and that things being a little brat, and you know all the kind of struggles that come along with it. The meaning outweighs the suffering. So I started to realize, okay, all right. So it's not just running from suffering and towards pleasure at every chance you get, there's higher levels of being which have some kind of other meaning. I, don't, I, don't, I, I struggled to define it, but it, you know, some kind of other meaning. So I realized, okay, well, okay, how do I sum all this up? How do I sum it up? What's the behavior? The behavior is to embrace the life I'm living. If I'm going to repeat it and I can try for happiness, you know, I can try for meaning for the rest of my life. And let's say that's only as much as I've lived. So half of all eternity then would be A striving for meaning. Which has to include... Meaning. I mean... It has to be meaningful. So you can strive for something and not... Absolutely get it. But I think when it comes to meaning... The striving... uh, Helps to satisfy the need... By itself... So anyway, if you see if you see value in that, I mean I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But I figured this is what I, this is what I'll do. If I assume that this is gonna repeat, which I don't, but if I had to, if it was known then I would just have to live the best life I could live. And it would also mean that when it was obvious there was no more goodness to life that that would be the time to end it. That would be the time. When it's just suffering from here on out I don't need that. Just cut it off. And then we'll repeat this endless return is what Nietzsche called it I think will re will we'll endlessly return to half to a life half of half great i guess half good half meaningful <laughs> well, that's better than nothing, so embrace it, and I didn't know what that meant, you know, but I figured well it probably means. You know, I could start out with, okay, I'll just be a hedonist and enjoy my life, and that's great, but I'll probably get frustrated after a little while and not feel at peace. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll just be like, hey, this is great for the rest of my life. Everything's good. But if I get frustrated, I shouldn't be surprised. I, you know, this is kind of the pattern that you see that they want more and more, and then, and then they realize, well, oh, that's not giving me what I need. Those drugs aren't giving me what I need. Sleeping around's not giving me what I need. You know, whatever their pleasure is, it's not, it's not making me have a happy life. I don't have any security. I don't have any. Um, I don't have anything to live for. I don't have any meaning in my life. And so. I realized, oh, well, embracing life kind of means, certainly part of it means, like, first being curious about what that means. (laughs) First being like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I should watch and listen and see what this life has for me, because... We love to think that this is just a completely random walk. That's kind of what the material reductionist says. If you're... (laughs) This is the craziest thing. This is the craziest amalgamations of ideas that I can come up with. A solipsist that's a material reductionist. That's somebody that's stuck in their own existence for no reason. It just it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's just doesn't mean anything. But if you're really that way, man, that's a hard place to live. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Well, anyway, now, here's the question they asked me. So they they asked me that question, and I kind of told them that already. I was like, you know what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got to do something. What is it? You're just going to end it and repeat whatever you've got? Are you going to continue on your whole life and maybe, I don't know, just take what you're given that's a recipe for depression or are you going to be like okay uh, I'm going to try my best you only have those options so what are you going to do? Okay, so that's, that's, what I, that's the conclusion I came to. I was like, okay, well, this, this means nothing except I should embrace life. <laughs> what does that mean when you have responsibilities, you have a, a job, family? What does it mean? Does it mean you go out and you just, you know, you start over? You clean slate, divorce, try new things? No, that's not what it means. It means you see where you're at, and you say, okay, how do I embrace this? How do I accept it? It seems like to me that life is about accepting everything, learning to accept everything. Now, that is such an asshole thing to say from somebody who lives in a first world country, who's never known hunger, okay, who's never known real suffering. Really, come on. And I'm the one walking around here saying like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta embrace love." It's kind of a dick move, but whatever, you know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I've felt bad. <laughs> I've suffered as much as the people around me. That's for sure. <laughs> the people I know. So I'm just talking to them. Okay. If you're like lived a life of suffering, I'm not talking to you. You you got more wisdom than I do. So, whatever. All right, just I should probably start with that disclaimer. Huh? Okay. Okay. Well, now now let's get on to more of a logical bent. So that was kind of the practical solution. But then I said, you know what, are there any logical reasons, other than kind of the heuristic reasons we learned about, with like the the nature and no pattern repeats, all that kind of stuff, is there any, anything else we can go down that kind of intimates that this is not a rational fear? I think there is. In fact, I think there's two. Um, Hold on. Excuse me. You know, Roger Penrose had an idea like this. He said, um, "Well, when when uh, the end of the universe happens and everything gets stretched out so so far, and uh, you know the universe is expanding at the speed of light or beyond the speed of light everywhere, at that moment when it reaches you." That, that moment where that uh, bubble that's around you That's traveling at the speed of... Anyway, sorry I probably shouldn't get into it But anyway That moment at the end of the universe What happens is There's a new Big Bang it's It stretches out to the point where it breaks And there's a new Big Bang That's a very liberal interpretation But guess what? I'm not a scientist, so I can say stuff like that. Um, he says it breaks, and depending on how it broke, a new universe is born. And so it, and that's why it is never flat. That's one of the questions in cosmology. They're like, okay, if we started with a Infinitesimal point of pure uh, flatness, pure, pure, no bumpiness. I don't know what's a good word for this. Anyway, uh, smoothness, because it's infinitely small, a smooth. How did we explode into a universe that has ridges? and that has galaxies, and that has parts that are densely populated with matter, and parts that have no matter. How did we do that? How did that happen? And my theory is, well, uh, well, one way to put that is, and no existence doesn't exist, because non-existence can't exist. So, If it did exist, then it would exist, and then it would no longer be non-existence. So you can't have a flat universe that is nothing, that is uniformly flat, because that's nothing. So you can't instantiate nothing, or else there's nothing. And then that means non-existence would exist, which is a oxymoron. It's a dichotomy. It's a paradox. Can't have it. And so because that can't happen, everything... What you get is a plethora of all possibilities. Okay, so that's my metaphysics. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I'm putting in my metaphysics into this discussion. It's not necessary. I guess I'm just... I don't know. I got an issue. Okay. So... Uh, so Roger Penrose is like, Yeah, so... The way the let's think of it as the way the matter was organized determines the way the matter will be organized next now it's not a repeat of the way the matter was organized it's always going to change it's always going to change it's always going to change and so you're going to get a new universe that's completely random every time I think that's the general idea, could be way off. And even if it's not way off, it's not the way that anyone would explain it, so it's going to sound way off anyway, so whatever. Okay, so that's kind of like a cosmologist, theorist kind of point of view. Again, we see the same thing, very unlikely to repeat. If, if, that, if the cosmology ideas are any, any guide for this question, very unlikely. Not gonna happen. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Okay. But can we get any real counter-arguments to the idea? Can we say, no, really, this doesn't make sense? I think we can. So here's the counter argument that I have for that. And I've kind of discussed this before on these recordings. I can't call this a podcast. I don't know what it is. I just record and post it every once in a while. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So, podcast is just a little too, you know, uppity for me. Sorry. I don't even use high quality tech or anything. I just, this is on my phone. It's usually with a lot of background noise while I'm driving. So, what are you gonna do? It's not a podcast. What is that? What, it's like a it's an it's an audio blog. Is what it is, isn't it? It's a, it's an audio blog or something. It's it's a, it's a it's an online journal or something. I don't know what it is. Okay. So anyway, I've talked about this before. But I think this is an important thing uh, to go over, I think it's extremely applicable. There is no way to know if when you die you live the same life over again, or even have the chance of living the same life over again. There's no way to know. Just like there's no way to know that when you die, you will have any kind of awareness ever again. There's no way to know. And that one seems more likely, doesn't it? Eh, from the scientific point of view, it probably does. Maybe not from the metaphysician's point of view, maybe. But certainly, from the current paradigm of scientific modeling, uh, which is material material reductionist, I was talking to. Actually, somebody else messaged me, DM'd me. Just no, it wasn't a DM. It was just a comment. It's just a thread about. Um, what did he talk about? He talked about. You you see what is happening to my brain? You hear it in my speech? I, like, have these moments of, like, clarity, and then I, like, dive down into a moment of, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) That's just what happens. I think I'm, like, plagued by, like, mini seizures or something. I don't know what it is. But it's just, like, I just go blank. And then it all comes back. It's like I'm breathing. I don't know. It's, It's always happened. They thought I was quite slow as a child. They did. They did. That's cool. That's fine. Whatever. Now I'm sure the DSM-5 or whatever has some kind of designation for what's, what's going on there, but. Alright. Well, anyway. So if I can remember where I was just one second ago, Ah, yes. Ah, yes. This other guy that messaged me. Or that talked to me on Reddit. In fact, it was about solipsism, too. It was really weird. Crazy. I didn't even realize that. Uh, He messaged me, and he said... What did he say? Oh, yeah. He posted on something I said, and he said, like... um, yeah, I guess that's possible, but, you know, your brain can't come up with all the complexities that you actually view, so actually that's, you know, it's not possible, Solve system's not possible. And I'm like, well, okay, all right, dude. Uh, you know, that's coming from a very uh, material reductionist point of view. Very, 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 very material reduction's point of view. Your your observation of reality is not material. The contents of it are material, but the observation itself is not. It's something other than, isn't it? So he's coming from a paradigm where he says... Well, the brain produces consciousness and it can be no other way. It produces it. Like an engine produces movement, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like He's associating the brain pretty heavily with consciousness. An engine is not movement. Uh, the brain is not consciousness. But... He says, you know, he's coming from that paradigm where it's like, well, you can only experience what your brain sees. You you, you, you can only uh, generate, is the word he used. Uh, like he was using the example of art. You can only generate complex art in the style you've seen before, you know. Okay, dude, all right. So he says, so then that. therefore you know, you can't... You couldn't be a solipsist because you'd have absolutely nothing to generate from because your brain would just be the only thing that exists, I suppose. I don't... You know, I can't follow his reasoning all the way because it's like... um... And so I told him, I was like, dude, um, your brain is a model. Like, you're... The idea that that you see through your brain, (laughs) I guess, is an idea. (laughs) The whole thing could be an idea. And this is idealism, you know? And this is, in fact, the foundation of probably most of the religions on the planet. That's the foundation of the Catholic religion it's not that it's your idea, but the universe is God's idea. There's no such thing as matter. We're all inside of God and we're experiencing God's idea, which is Him, which is being. And that's the idea of the first cause and all that kind of theology. And so, this, you know, that's their particular flavor of idealism. And he didn't even have the concept of idealism. He was like, that's not even. A thing he was not even aware. Um, so I don't I don't remember why his comment came up to my brain while we were discussing this. I've no idea. I've no idea. Something about I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry, this happens all the time. This is my bad. Well, where were we? Okay. Okay. You cannot know. We'll go, we'll go all the way back. You cannot know... Oh, yeah, then I started to talk about death, and then that's how we got there. Okay, whatever. All right. You cannot know whether or not this is true. And anything you cannot know whether or not it's true. Anything anything that you cannot know like the one-way speed of light for instance is in a superposition that's my uh, current understanding it's, you know I'm no scientist, but Anyway, that's where I'm coming from. It's not, the thing is, it's not one or the other. It's a third option. It is in a superposition, it's literally both. If you didn't exist, You wouldn't know you can't exist. You wouldn't know it, would you? And so what would the universe look like to you if you didn't exist? You'd probably be in between existences, wouldn't you? In some way. Maybe you'd be mortal. having a definite start, and a definite end. Maybe Maybe you'd have no assurances. Maybe everything that you saw would have to be a symbol of something else. You really can't see anything, can you? You can only experience the symbols in your mind. I think there's something that you can't know and that is that you don't exist. And because you can't know it, you have to live in a universe where you do exist, but you don't. Because you're in a superposition. That's my theory. That's my metaphysics. But coming back to the more concrete example of endlessly return. Interestingly enough, the Tao Te Ching has that term too, but it doesn't use it in the same way. It says endlessly uh, endlessly returning, right? Endlessly renewed. It has more of a nature feel to it. It's like, yes, okay, we're endlessly returning to this life or something like that. Um, we're finding ourselves at the center of our own experience over and over and over again. We're finding ourselves as a self over and over and over again. But that means what? That means we're in the same story, but it's always different. It's always different. If you're a duck, it's different but you're still coming from your point of view. Anyway, so that's how I feel like what it means is if you can't know something and you can't disprove it, it's in a realm of superposition. So it is both things which have to express themselves outside of that realm In your experience, somehow, whether it's no assurances that you live on after death or something. Everything is a symbol. You can never actually see the real world. All you can experience are the models you generate. You don't know that it's there. You know? It means it's both. You're going to have the same story over and over again, but it's not the same life. Why do that? You don't have to do that. If you are existence, why do that? If you are existence, in this thinking, if you are existence, you are the void that doesn't exist. Because it needs no input. What are you going to build existence out of? You got nothing. Uh, You can only build it out of paradox. The paradox of being, the paradox of zero, the paradox of nothing can't know that it doesn't exist. It's forbidden knowledge. So it kind of thinks it does. Anyway, that's where I come from on that. If it's in a superposition, it's literally not a choice between the two. It's a manifestation of both. And that's okay. That's great. What's wrong with that? It's both. So I, I, I don't worry about it anymore. And maybe this is just a lot of um, tangled up noise. And I really don't, you know, I'm just saying all these things to put my mind at ease. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But my mind is at ease. So, (laughs) either way, I'm good. (laughs) I'm sorry. I guess my point is, if um, if it's in a superposition then it's not one or the other. It's not something you have to worry about. That's an argument against it. That's an argument against saying, no, it could really be this way. When we die, we just repeat. No. Actually, because we know we can't know, we know that that's not it. That's the argument. That's the counter-argument. We know that that's not it. It's both.